call Breakthrough. I don't know if you know. So basically every January I start with a kind of a new year, new you thing. Because it, it just is like a great opportunity for us to talk about making some changes in our life and, and, and refocusing, you know, just kind of using the calendar and what people are thinking about to, to encourage us to say, hey, let's have this be a year that we make some changes. That maybe that this could be a year that we actually experience breakthrough in our life. And uh, so last week I asked you two very important questions. Well, the second one I said was more important than the first one. The first one was, what do you want to see? What do you want different in your life in 2023? What change? What's one big change that you want to make in your life this year? But then I said, here's the more important question. What does God want to change in your life this year? What's the one thing that God wants to change in your life this year? And I talked last week about the difference between a good intention and a God intention. Right? If we have a good intention, the reason that we don't follow through and like change doesn't happen is just a good intention. But if we can make it a God intention and we say, wow, God spoke to me and here's what he wants me to focus on. Here's what, where he wants me to pray and experience his grace and his transformation. That's going to happen. Right? So we talked about that last week. And so what I want to talk about this week is I want to try to answer the question, not the specific, what's the one thing, you know, and I hope that you did that. I hope that you didn't just kind of hear that and say like, oh, well, that was clever, good, good intention, God intention. I hope that you actually like prayed about it and maybe wrote something down or said, okay, here's something I'm going to believe God to change in my life. But what I want to talk about today is kind of on a, more on a macro level. Like what is it that our lives should all be about? Like what should we be focused on? What should we be aiming at? Like what matters most in life? Because, yes, you know what, there are, there are specific things that each of us, that God may want us to work on, but I think for all of us, like if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, and I'll back it up and say if you're human, what are the things that God wants all of us to focus on? Like the things that should be the priorities in our life, like it's important that we understand that, that there's clarity, and that we understand that like, like seasons of our life matter, and like intentionality matters, because it says in, in Psalm 90 verse 12, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so what this says is we need to learn how to number our days. In other words, we need to realize that we don't have unlimited time, right? We think we have unlimited time. If you're like in your 20s, you just kind of think you're going to live forever, right? You have all the time in the world. That's, that's not true. You're going to be my age before you know it. You're going to blink twice and you're going to say, what the heck happened? But even when you get to my age, like honestly for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old, but I'm in relatively good health. I'm in good health. And, uh, and so I can often think like, oh, I got nothing but time ahead of me. Like I'm good. But, but what the Bible says here is that, is that we need to learn how to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, wisdom is something that, like, our culture, we don't talk about wisdom. We talk about knowledge. We don't talk about wisdom because our culture doesn't have any wisdom whatsoever. But the Bible talks a lot about wisdom, right? And wisdom is applied knowledge, that we know something, and then how do we apply that into our life? And so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, what this verse is saying is that what we need to do is we need to number our days because when we number our days, when we realize that we don't have unlimited days, it's going to focus us. It's going to make a difference in the, way, in the way that we live, in the way that we live our lives, right? That, that we're taught to number our days. Now, I have been with people. As a pastor, I, I get kind of front row seats at all sorts of heavy situations. And I've been with people who came from the doctor's office and found out like the actual number of their days and they didn't have a lot left. And what I can say is it changes things. 
right? I mean, I'm sure you've known people in your life, or maybe you had a scare, or maybe you're here now and you know, like, the clock's ticking, I've got something going on, and I don't know how much time I have. You know it changes things. It changes your priorities. It changes what you do during the day. It changes what you get upset about, what you don't get, get upset about, because now you have some wisdom because your, your days are numbered, and so it changes that perspective. So, so how do we gain that wisdom, realizing that our days are numbered? Ephesians five fifteen to 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And so here's Paul, he's writing like, you know, a thousand years later, he's writing like five, about a thousand years later after, after uh, the, the David wrote the Psalms, and he's kind of saying a thing. We need to be wise, not unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So what he's saying is, is we need to be wise. We need to be wise so that we understand the opportunities that we've been given, that we understand what it is we should be aiming for. Now, the, the word for sin that comes up over and over again in the New Testament is the word hamartia, and it means missing the mark. And so what the Bible says, I think the Bible's pretty clear about what it is we should be aiming for. And so what we need to do is we need to aim at the right things, and we need to be wise because we need to understand not only because we have limited time, but also because the days are evil, meaning that there's going to be a pull. There's going to be a pull in culture. Like you're going to listen to, you know, you're going to watch movies, and the movies are going to say, don't aim at this, aim at this. You're going to listen to songs. The songs are going to say, don't aim at this, aim at that. You're going to hang out at a bar with your buddies, and your buddies are going to say, don't aim at this, aim at that. And so a lot of the things that we're going to aim at aren't just neutral or, or dumb. They can be evil. And so we need to know, because our days are limited, and because the days are evil, what are we going to aim at? What does the Lord want us fixed on? So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to give you three things that I could say for every, you know, kind of breaking down the Bible, three biggest things that every single one of us should be focused on in 2023 and beyond. And it's good for us to know these things because uh, it'll help us when excuses come up that want us to shift our aim to something else. We'll be able to recognize, recognize the lies, recognize the pull, say no, you know, just not give in to these excuses that come up so that we can aim at the things that we need to aim at. And so if you have, uh, if you have the app, you can follow along. I've got some fill-in-the-blank notes. I'm not going to get to all of the different Bible passages that I originally had in my notes for, for time reasons, but they're, but they're there and you can, you can check them out. But what matters most? First of all, God matters, right? God matters. Your relationship with God is the most important thing in your life. And so, so let me ask a question. If we were to follow you around with a camera like 24-7 for the next month, would there be evidence? Like when you watch the playback, would someone say, and seeing like how you live your life and what you do, wow, you can really see that God matters to this person, right? You can really see by the, not just what they do on Sunday, but you can see like Monday through Friday, you can say, see that, boy, God really matters to this person. They're, they're prioritizing God. They're putting God first because our relationship with God is the most important relationship that we have in our life and all of our other relationships, everything else flows out of that relationship. You see, one day... I'm going to stand before God, right? And God is going, he's, he's not going to ask me about this church. 
He's not going to say, Phil, did you lead a great church? Phil, did you, you know, like get past different growth barriers and start new ministries and do things? Not saying what we don't do is important, but he's not going to ask about that. He's going to ask one thing. He's going to say, Phil, did you have a relationship, a personal relationship with me through my son, Jesus Christ? Right? That's the only thing that matters. And Jesus actually said this really, this kind of, this, this thing, I think it was, you know, geared exactly for people like me. Right? Because the reality is, if you followed me around with a camera, with a video camera, you'd be like, oh, God matters to Phil. Because, you know, this is my job. This is my vocation. I'm always kind of doing God stuff, right? But Jesus said specifically to people who kind of have a vocational ministry, he says in Matthew 7, 22 to 23, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform any miracles. So we're not just talking about, like, putting God first. We're talking about, like, graduate-level God stuff, right? We're talking about, like, casting out demons, performing miracles. So these are people who are, like, doing all the things. But then Jesus said, I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. And so what, what Jesus says to me, what he says to all of us is the most important thing is do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a life-giving growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what matters most. What's like the top thing you should be aiming at in your life? Jesus, right? Your relationship with Jesus. Now, if you've heard me preaching, you know, for a few months or some of you for years, you know, like there's one thing that I kind of come back to over and over again. There's something that I'm really trying to get all of you to see. I'm trying to get all of us to understand and it kind of, you know, it, it, it's this, this reality that what we find in Jesus is wonderful. <laughs> like, like, this is what I'm trying to get us to believe. Like, there was an old country western song, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. And so what you're doing, what we're all doing, right? What a lot of the aiming, it's not necessarily that we're aiming at the wrong thing. We're just, we got the, we're, it's not that we're looking for the wrong thing. We're just looking in the wrong place. Right? And what Jesus says is, I, all the things that you're looking for, I want to give you these things. I want to give you the love that you're looking for. I want to give you the purpose that you're looking for. I want to give you the joy and the strength that you're looking for. That Jesus is the one who brings life. And what I, what I want to, like what I'm trying every single week to communicate in a lot of different ways, is that what you're looking for is found in Jesus. And what I want to do, what I hope to do, is to make the life that we can have in Jesus, so attractive, right? And that we're experiencing this life. Because I, I talked a couple weeks ago about, about the goal for us to be a life-giving church. And the way that we become a life-giving church is if we have a church full of people who are filled with God's life. A church full of people who are doing this not because they have to, right? Not because there's guilt or there's fear, but we just realize, man, Jesus has given me life and given it to the full. And what I would love is for us to be a church where like when Wednesday's rolling around that we're just saying, man, I can't wait till Sunday comes because on Sunday I'm going to get to worship with my church family. We're going to lift Jesus up. Man, Sunday's fun day. It's the best day of the week. I can't wait till Sunday comes. Or we say, I can't wait to get up in the morning because when I get up in the morning, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get my coffee. I'm going to open up the Bible and I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Or we say, I can't wait till Saturday comes because when Saturday comes, I'm going to go out to this 
parking lot and I'm going to give to, I'm going I'm to be the hands and feet of Jesus and I'm going to give food to hundreds of hungry people in Jesus' name and that we realize that Jesus is what life is all about and so we prioritize Him. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness understanding that's the most important thing. Amen? We can do a lot better than that. We seek first Jesus and His kingdom because He is the author and giver of life. Like Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, he says, Whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the unsurpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So what Paul said, see, he realized this. And what Paul said is, listen, I thought life was found in other things. I thought life was found in the law. I studied with Gamaliel. I thought life was about these other things. But then I met Jesus. And then I realized that he's the one I've been looking for all my life. And my prayer and my hope is that you'll say, I thought life was about money. I thought life was about getting my own security. I thought life was about popularity. I thought life was about this. I thought life was about that. But then I met Jesus. And what I realized is life is about Jesus. And he's given me everything that I need, all the things that I was looking for in all these other places. And so now I know, like it says here, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Let me tell you a little secret. Paul didn't say garbage. Now, a lot of the English translators, they were like, I don't want to tr- put down what Paul wrote. Because that's, I don't know, that's, I don't, I don't want, that's not, that's not, we can't say that in church. We can't talk about that stuff in church, but that, that's what Paul put down. He didn't say garbage. Garbage is the nice word. You can use your imagination what he actually said. But that's what he said. I consider all these things garbage that I might gain Christ because, because he is the pearl of great price. Right? He is the treasure hidden in the field that we sell everything that we have so we can have him. We put him first. And I, you know, listen, I'll tell you this. That I, what, I, what I can say, and I can say this, I can say this with integrity, and I can say this with honesty, that what I have experienced, what my testimony is for my entire adult life, that as I have tried to orient my life around Jesus, and as I've fallen, and as I've gotten back up again, what I can say with all of my heart is that Jesus has given me an abundant life. It hasn't been an easy life, but it's been a good life. That if you make Jesus your priority, if you put him first, if you say, God matters, the most important thing. You will not be disappointed because you will find life and you will have that life to the full because that's what Jesus promises. Amen. So God matters. Second thing that matters, what should we be aimed at? Well, people matter, right? People matter to God and they matter to us, right? Galatians 5, 13 to 15 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Now, there was, we have this, you know, we, God matters. We, 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 the target, we're fixed on Him. And people matter. Right? We have this freedom. So now that we can love other people, now that we can devote ourselves to other people, God matters, people matters. And the thing, when we think about like numbering our days, right, when we understand like what really matters, what really counts, a lot of times the people in our life we take for granted, right? It's real easy to do that and be like, well, I'm trying to get money, I'm trying to work, and I'm really busy, this, that, and the other thing. They, they know I love them. But, <clears throat> but one of the things I've seen 
is that when somebody really comes to know their days are numbered, like in a doctor's visit kind of days are numbered kind of way, all of a sudden they don't say like, you know, take it for granted. All of a sudden they don't say, well, they know that I love them. They make sure they, they want you to know that you love them because they understand this is what matters. And a, a time when that was illustrated, I think, very powerfully and very tragically was on 9-11. Right, and 21 years ago, it's hard to believe it was 21 years ago, the, this church was three and a half years old during 9-11, and, and you know, we, were, we were impacted by it, because we were you know, right outside of the, right, right living in the shadow of New York City. There were, there were people who, in our church, who were there, you know, and, and the people who kind of came out covered in, you know, covered in rubble. Uh, there was a woman in our church who was supposed to be at a business meeting on the top floor at the World Trade Center, and she got sick that day. There were people who, you know, wives who were calling me because their husbands were on a business trip, and they didn't know where, you know, their planes were and what was going on. But one of the things that was so powerful were the phone calls. Remember the phone calls? Where, you know, people who were on the plane or people who were on a, in the World Trade Center on a floor above where the plane hit. And all of a sudden, they began to realize, I think my day's number. I think this is it. I think this is the final day. And so what did they do? They called people. Who did they call? They called the people that they loved. They, they knew, like, time short. Time to, I want to make sure. I'm going to die today. And I'm going to make sure that the people that I love know that I love them. Because that's what mattered most. And so they called their loved ones, or they talked to the 911 operator, and they said, promise me that you're going to call my wife. Please tell my wife this. Tell my parents this. Tell my son this. Probably, you know, I listened to a bunch of these this week, and I don't know if I'm going to get through this, but one of the most powerful ones was from Brian Sweeney. Brian Sweeney was this guy, I think he was about 38 years old, and he was on flight 175. So he called his wife, and uh, he got the answering machine. And his wife is, was saying she, she saved it. She got it digitally saved. She listens to it all the time, 21 years later. And he said, Jules, this is Brian. Listen, I'm on an airplane that's been hijacked. If things don't go well and it's not looking good, I just want you to know that I absolutely love you. I want you to do good. Go have good times. Same to my parents and everybody. And and I just totally love you. And I'll see you when you get there. Because Brian was a Christian. And so he knew, he knew he wasn't getting out of this. And he said, what did he say? I love you. And then he said, I just want you to, I absolutely love you. And I'll see you when you get there. Because he knew in that moment, he knew what matters most. And some of you right now, listen to this, so you got to like, some of you should leave right now and go call somebody. Right? Because this, this is what matters most. We think we have plenty of days, but when we're not numbering our days, we think we can have stupid fights. We think we can just kind of, you know, let it go without being said. We think that we can ignore the people we love. But when, when we realize that our day, what we want, the only thing we want is, is I want my loved ones to know that I love them because that's what matters most. That's what the target needs to be. That's what life, that's what life needs to be about. Right? So, so we need to realize that, that our time is short and we need a heart of wisdom. And so we need, to, we need to prioritize loving and serving people, loving and serving people that we know and loving and serving people that we don't know because that's a target. That's what life is all about. And then the last thing is this, eternity matters. Eternity matters. God matters. People matter. Eternity matters. I, I read, I, every year I do the uh, one-year Bible. I do the, the Nikki Gumbel one. Um, 
Dickie Gumbel's actually the founder of Alpha. And so uh, it's this great daily Bible reading plan, and every day it starts with a wonderful devotion that, uh, that Nicky Gumbel writes. And so I was reading one this week, and I thought, oh, this is great timing. This is going to really work in my sermon. Because there was, this, there was this boy, when he was one years old, uh, he fell down a flight of stairs and he shattered his back. And so he was in and out of hospitals, he was paralyzed, he was in a wheelchair. And so years later, when he's a teenager, an Episcopal bishop is interviewing him at church. And in the course of the interview, the boy remarked that he believed that God was fair. And so the bishop kind of pressed into that a little bit. And he said, he said how old are you? Seventeen, the boy replied. How many years have you spent in the hospital? Thirteen years, the boy replied. And the bishop said, do you think that that's fair? You know that you're 17 years old and you spent 13 years in the hospital? And the boy replied, God has all of eternity to make it up to me. See, for this boy, eternity mattered. And so eternity, what was, what was, that's what was enabling him to get through this really hard thing. For Brian on flight 175, he knew that he, was, that, it, that, he was, that he was secure for eternity. So he was able to say to his wife, he was able to say, I'll see you when you get there. Because eternity matters. And, in the, and if we understand, if our days are numbered, we understand that eternity matters. And Jesus, he tried so hard. I don't know if there's anything that he talked about more or tried to get us to understand or tried to get us to see that eternity matters. That whether you're 20 or whether you're 90, that, that this life that we're living right now is really short. The Bible says it's like a mist. It appears for a little bit and then all of a sudden it's gone, right? This life that we're living, it is like... It is the womb for all of eternity. Most, by far, the majority of our existence is going to be on the other side. And so Jesus would say things like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He would say, don't soar up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus says, fix your heart on heaven. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Anyone here ever hear the expression, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Has anybody ever heard that? That's a, like previous generations used to say that. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, seriously. Like if anyone ever says to you, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, say, don't be stupid. No, don't say that. That's not nice. But it's dumb because the more heavenly minded you are, you're, the more you're going to lay up treasures on earth because that's what Jesus tells us to do. So the more we think about heaven, the more heaven has captured our heart, the more strength, the more motivation, the more of a desire that we're going to have to sow seeds to lay up treasures in heaven. It makes all the difference. Right? And so we live our life knowing that eternity matters, knowing that there's a strength and a foundation that we have because of what Jesus has said. Jesus has said that he doesn't want us to worry, he doesn't want us to be afraid, that he goes to prepare a place for us, that in his father's house, in his father's mansion are many rooms, and he is preparing a place for you. And so you don't have to be afraid. You fix your eyes, your heart on eternity, and you'll be able to live with the strength and a foundation that you won't get anywhere else, and you'll understand what really matters in life because the kingdom of heaven has captured your heart. And see, what I'm trying to do here this morning, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you get focused on what your life should be about, what really matters. God matters, people matters, eternity matters, our life and everything flows from that. And so real quick, let me just kind of tie this all together, try to be as practical as I can be. So how do we leave a legacy? 
How do we like aim at the right thing and make sure that we're staying focused on this for 2023 and beyond? Here's three things really quick. The first one is something that you've never heard me say. You're going to say, wow, this is a whole, this is a brand new thought, Phil. I've never heard you talk about this before. But the first is know your purpose, right? Know your purpose. If you want to live a life, you want to be aiming at the right thing, you need to know you're made on purpose for a purpose. Too many people are living in survival mode. Too many people are just like think that life's about I got to pay these bills and I got to get to work and I got to make sure that Timmy gets to practice and hopefully I'll go on a nice vacation and we're just kind of living in survival mode rather than living in impact mode. But we need to know the impact that we were made on purpose for a purpose. Now how many of you saw the Elvis movie? That came out this past year. Nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. There's Elvis. Char, this is just for you. So, um, Char, Char Turigiano loves Elvis. So, um, I, I, I actually, Norm and I went to see this movie with Mike and Char. Char was dehydrated by the end of it because she cried so much. We had to get her, we had to get her an IV. But, uh, but, um, so anyway, so, so uh, Elvis Presley, I mean, incredible impact. He died in 1977. At the time of his death, he had over a billion fans, like over a billion, at that time, it was probably like more than 20% of the planet, loved him, right? So when he died, right, when, when Elvis died in 1977, there were about 200 Elvis Presley impersonators. Today, there's, someone around, there's somewhere around 400,000 Elvis Presley impersonators. So what that means, as this continues, right, if you do the math, eventually we're all going to be Elvis Presley impersonators. Like, you just give it a little bit more time. So, but suffice to say, he was incredibly popular. And so you would think that someone that popular would be happy, right? It had this incredible popularity. But his, his widow, Priscilla, she said this amazing thing in an interview. She said, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought that he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it, so he went on stage so we wouldn't have to think about it. See, isn't that amazing? I mean, Elvis, a billion people. Like, he knew, like, he wrestled with God kind of his whole life. He had a calling on his life from God. And so he, he knew that he was called to something else, and he knew that he wasn't living out his purpose. And so having a billion fans wasn't enough. That's how strong our desire for purpose is. And so what about you? How many of you tomorrow, like, you know you're not living out of a sense of purpose, and you're going to go on some kind of stage, and you're going to do something tomorrow, but it's just going to kind of distract you because you know that you have not yet discovered what your purpose is, and you're not living from that place. And so the question is, how do we find our purpose? The way that we find our purpose is we get connected to our God. We get connected to our Creator. Psalm 139, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verse 16 at the very bottom, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let me just say this. The reason to going back to prioritizing God, God matters. If you want to know your purpose, right? If you want to know the book on you, you got to get in touch with the one who wrote the book. Right? And he wrote a book about you. And as you get to know God, as you prioritize him, he's going to reveal his purpose to you. Right? And so we prioritize God. God matters. And from there, we live out our purpose. The second thing is this. We grow to our potential. 
See, we want to make choices. If you want to leave a legacy, a life that matters, what are we aiming at? That it would be a year of growth. And we don't think about growth the right way. See, we think we're going to grow if we get information. We think that information leads to growth. Information doesn't lead to growth, right? Information is good, right? And, but it's not about like we go to this class, we read this book, we fill up this notebook. The way that we grow is through relationships. I mean, think about it. Like you've read stuff, but it wasn't until like wisdom that applied knowledge, that all gets worked out in the context of relationships, right? That's how it, that's how it always works. God has a system for you to grow, and that system is your relationships, And so it makes sense then, that's why we have such a hard time with people. Now, I'm starting a series in a couple weeks. I'm starting a series on spiritual warfare. It's going to be this six-week series because I think it's really important for us to understand the, the reality that we have an enemy and that we can understand life, understand spiritual warfare. One of the ways that spiritual warfare is going to show up in your life is that Satan's going to try to get you to separate from people. Right? Satan doesn't want you, if, if people are what's going to cause you to grow, Satan's going to try to, you know, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be issues, so that if, if any of you, you might even be at this place right now where you're like, you know what, I'm not going to church, I'm just going to watch on the live stream because I've been hurt too many times by people, I'm going to remove myself. Well, I think that's something that Satan wants, he wants to separate you because people are what's going to cause you to grow. See, what happens a lot of times is that things get hard, things get difficult, and we run from the relationship. It says this in Proverbs 27, 17. It says this, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so this is what it looks like when iron sharpens iron, right? It's, it's violent. There's sparks. It's loud. It's not easy. And so how does God want you to grow? Through people. And what's going to happen is there's going to be conflicts. There's going to be stuff that happens. And maybe some of you right now, like, like someone here in this church said something that offended you. Or maybe I said something that offended you. Or somebody looked at you, you know, whatever. I mean, something happened. And what God wants is for you to stay in your church family and work it out and talk to the person and have conversations so this can happen so that you can grow, right? So many of us, like, you want to grow. Listen, you want this. You figure out as, as an adult how to navigate the relationship with your parents as an adult, Right? I mean, Bible says that we need to honor our mother and our father. And especially as we get older and our parents get older, we figure out how to navigate that relationship. God, you know, sparks are going to fly. It's not going to be easy. Things are going to be said that are going to trigger you. Buttons are going to be pushed. Things are going to happen. But, but we trust that through it all, God is growing us up. That God is moving and that God is working. Some of you, listen, marriage. Those of us who are married, marriage is... This is a good picture of marriage, right? I mean, there's a lot of sharpening that happens in a marriage. And so your marriage, man, God wants it to be like, like intense, like grad school. Like it's going to be a doctoral program for growth. If you can get to the point of like working through your issues and really having a loving, collaborative relationship, there's been a lot of sparks to get you there. And there's been a lot of sharpening. See, what happens though is things get difficult, things get hard, and a lot of times we bail. Because you know what? This isn't comfortable. This is a little bit too hard. But God, listen, here's the reality. God loves us and he's for us, but he's not that interested in us being comfortable. He's interested in us becoming transformed. He's interested in our holiness. He's interested in growing us up so that we become more and more like Jesus. And difficult relationships are going to be an essential part of the process. And so something that we do here, because, because we believe that relationships are so important, we have small groups. 
Like, we don't want to just kind of gather a crowd and have people stare at the back of each other's heads and then go home and, you know, that's it. We want you in relationships. We want you in rows. Good things happen when we're in rows, but things happen when we're in a circle. Things happen when we're in a circle that can't happen when we're in a row. See, the reality of it is you have some blind spots. You have blind spots. I have blind spots. And so what we need are people who know us, that we trust, who love us, who are for us, who can point out our blind spots, right? We all walk around with masks on. We don't let people in. And we have a mask on because we're, you know, it's a, it's a protection. It's a way that we can separate ourselves from people. You need to have relationships with people that you trust, that, that, you're, that you've, you've prayed with, that you've experienced God with, where you can take off the mask. And you can say, listen, guys, I just got to tell you, I, I think I'm depressed, like, I'm going, through the, I'm going through a lot right now, or, or I've had this addiction in my life that I haven't been able to shake, or, or you know what, my, my spouse and I right now, we're, we're in a tough spot. I don't know if we're going to make it. Or, you know, we need to be able to be in environments where we can take off our masks so that we can prioritize people, so that we can be in a place where we can grow. And then the third thing that we need to be aware of, the last thing is this, we need to sow seeds that are going to benefit others. Right? If God matters, if people matters, if eternity matters, then, then the most important thing that we can do with our life is that we say we want to sow as many seeds for eternity as we possibly can. That we're going to all spend our lives sowing seeds, using everything at our, at our disposal. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. A sower went out to sow, just threw his seeds kind of everywhere. And so we throw seeds. And whatever we have, we're going to use it to throw seeds. Use your house to throw seeds. Use your car to throw seeds. Use your job to throw seeds. Right? You just say, hey, I brought crisp, Krispy Kremes for the office. You're throwing seeds. You know, you're throwing, I don't know if they're healthy seeds, but they're, you know, seeds of love. You're, you know, use your, your hobbies, your free time. That we live our life, we say, what matters most is how many seeds can I sow today? How many kingdom seeds can I sow? And so somebody needs a hug. And so we sow a hug in Jesus' name. Right? Somebody's going through something. And so we sow a shoulder for them to cry on. Somebody is discouraged. And so we sow a text and we say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Right? We, we sow a Saturday morning to help feed hungry people. We sow, you know, a testimony. Right? When you maybe think if God is real, wondering if God can make a difference in their life, and you say, hey, let me tell you the difference that Jesus has made for me. That's sowing a testimony. That we live our life, we live our life sowing as many seeds as we can. And let me tell you a little bit of a secret. So I'm talking this morning about, about where your lives should be pointed. But it's also kind of a way to show, to show you, to let you know what we're pointed out as a, as a church. So maybe if you've been around for a while or you're new, like, what is the North Jersey Vineyard all about? Well, you know what? We, we say that God matters. And so we want you to know God. And so we're going to worship God and we want to experience God and we're going to do everything. We're going to lift up God. We're going to say, come Holy Spirit, so you can have a relationship with the living God because that's the most important thing. And then we're going to say, you know what? People matter. And so we're going to say, how can we get you in a small group? How can, we get you, how can we get you in community? How can we strengthen your marriage? How can we support your kids and your teenagers? How can we work together so that we can, so that we can show that the people all around in the community that they matter? And then we're going to try to come together. We're going to figure out how many seeds can we sow as a church? 
that we would just spend our time sowing seeds, sowing seeds of compassion, sowing seeds of salvation, seeds of healing, seeds of deliverance, seeds of encouragement, seeds of, seeds of justice, that we, we do it together as a church, and then we go to our jobs, we go to our families, we go to our neighborhoods, and we say, let's just, let's just sow some seeds because this is what life is all about. Right? God matters, people matters, eternity matters. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm not talking right now about money. Right? I'm not talking about money. We're talking about, about living a life of generosity in every aspect, every area. Because what will happen is if we live lives sowing like this, right? God matters, people matters, eternity matters. Then a, a couple of verses later in 2 Corinthians 9-11, it says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How does this work? God matters, people matter, eternity matter. You make that your target. Here's God's promise to you. Is that what God will do is He's going to fill you up. He's going to fill you to overflowing. And so He's going to fill you with more joy so you can sow joy. He's going to fill you with more faith so you can sow faith. He's going to fill you with more love so you can sow love. He's going to fill you with more strength so you can sow strength. And he's going to fill you even with more money so you can buy Krispy Kremes for the office. Right? This, this is what God says. This is how it's going to work. We give away. God is going to fill us up. This is what matters. This is how we live. This is how we leave a legacy as individuals. And this is how we live, leave a legacy as a church. And this is what we're after. So let's pray together for a moment. Come Holy Spirit. God, I bless your presence here right now. And God, I pray that you would speak to us right now. Speak to us, God. And Lord, for the, for the ways that we've allowed, that we've missed the mark, where we've kind of let our aim get off track, God, we just say right now, we just declare in our heart right now that we are going to seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, that we want to aim at these things, God, you and people and eternity. That's what our life's going to be about. And so just quietly, just in your heart, just make that commitment to God. Say, God, I recommit my life to you. And maybe you did it this morning when you woke up, but now it's four hours later. Do it again. Maybe, it was, maybe it's been years. Maybe you realize that so maybe some of you, you know that you've been wandering away from God. You know maybe there was a time in your life where you were locked in on him, but things have happened and you've drifted. And God is saying right now, I want to speak to you. I want you to set your sights on me again. And so God is asking you to recommit your life to him, recommit your heart to him. Say, God, this is my goal. Help me, Jesus. This is what I'm going to aim for. And I just think that there's definitely some of you right now where you, you do not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. And what I want to say to you with all my heart, believing this, you know, with everything that I am, that Jesus loves you and that he's for you 
And that if you will open up your heart to Jesus and accept the free gift of salvation that he's offering you, Jesus will change your life. Not only will he change your life, he will change your eternity. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to give you an opportunity to pray because the Bible says that Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart. And so, so you need to open up the door and you need to say, Jesus, come on in. And like, hey, come to my class in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about it, questions, all that stuff. But it starts with an invitation. It starts with you saying, yes, Jesus. And so keep your eyes closed. But if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, pray this prayer. Right? The words aren't as important as the state of your heart because God looks at your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've been aiming at the wrong things. Now I want to aim at you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died in my place and you rose again. So I ask you to forgive my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. Please come and live inside of me. And from here on out, I want to follow you. And so help me to aim at the right things. Keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning. Just raise your hand. Okay. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. On the back of your connection card, you can text, you can check off that you decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to send you some things in the mail. I'm also going to give you a personal invitation to come to my foundations class. You can text follow to, to this number. The same That'll trigger the same type of stuff happening. Right now, we're going to collect the connection cards and the offering. If you have a physical offering that you want, you can, you can just put it in the envelope and the basket as it passes by. We got, them, we got them over here on this side. They're going to pass down this way. All right, so let's just take a moment to pass those and put your connection card in there. Sign up for the things that you need to sign up for. We're going to go into a time of prayer ministry. And um, the prayer ministry team got together before this service. And they, they asked God, like, what, what, what do you want to do in people's lives today? What are some specific needs? And so they had a sense that there's a woman uh, who you've, for, you've lost your, your sense of smell. I mean, it sounds like it could be COVID. I don't know. Did the taste go with that? I don't know. But, uh, uh, and so I don't know if you have COVID. I don't know if you should come up and get prayer. Uh, so I don't know what to do with that. Um, but God bless whoever that might be and help them get home now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I should read these. I should read these ahead of time. All right, uh, a person that a person that's kind of going through a lot right now, where you just got a lot of turmoil, a lot of a lot of stress and turmoil. God wants to give you peace right now. God wants to wants to give you a gift of His peace. Uh, there's a, specifically, they said thought there was a young man. You're in this time right now. You're really like God's got your attention, and you're really seeking God. And you, but you're like, okay, God, but, but what? What should I do? What steps should I take? That God wants to give you some clarity. And so it was an invitation. Come up, let somebody pray for you for that. Um, uh, and then, um, and then uh, they had a sense too that there's somebody, some of you dealing with something at work that's really unjust. And, and God has your back and God sees and God, God cares. And that you need to, first of all, just know that God has your back, that you can trust him to do what you can't do. Uh, and just to, you know, let somebody pray with you so that there'd be breakthrough, whatever that work situation is. All right, so let's stand. And uh, prayer ministry folks, they're going to be over here, just kind of around, you know, the front of the church. Come on up. Let somebody, let somebody pray for you. But let me give this, let me give this uh, invitation here uh, as we close. That, um, that I, you know, if you know if God has spoken to you this morning about the direction of your life or what it is you're aiming at, or you know that you need to improve your aim, 
We want, I want to invite you to come up. Let somebody pray with you about that. Just say, I really want to recommit and reprioritize, you know, th- this part, my family or God or sowing, whatever it is. Uh, because there's something that happens. But Jesus said, when two people agree about something, it's done. And so maybe I think for some of you, coming up and humbling yourself and that hunger and saying, hey, would you pray with me about this? God, that could be like a really powerful opportunity for God to move and work. So Lord, God, I thank you for your presence here. God, I thank you that you've called us to such an incredible life. God, you are so faithful. You are so good. And we love you. God, help us to aim well. God, seek you first. And uh, God, we pray that we experience the breakthrough that you have for each and every one of us, God, in this year and, uh, and every year going forward. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you and go find a uh, life group if you haven't found one yet.